Welcome to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E, featuring your host, Dr. Deborah Egerton. In this program, we take a look at how you can begin to see how you show up in the world by looking at your Enneagram personality type, improving your relationships, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Deborah Egerton. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. So happy to be with you again today for another episode of Exploring the Enneagram with me, Dr. E. Well, I have just come back from Egypt and I was exploring the roots of the Enneagram. It was an amazing trip and um, had a wonderful time with some of our well-known teachers of the Enneagram. Um, Russ Hudson led the tour It was an amazing retreat, and a lot of our really excellent Enneagram teachers are over there in Egypt, bringing the Enneagram all around the world. So I really enjoyed getting to meet so many of the people and seeing what's happening in another land far away from where we are today. I'm excited today because exploring the Enneagram while I was in Egypt brought me to a very deep and personal place of thinking about my journey with the Enneagram. And uh, I think you listened to the episode when I talked about some of the highlights of my personal journey. Well, today I have a really special treat for all of you, and especially for me, will be joined by my daughter, Dr. Tiffany Jana. It sounds so wonderful to say that. Um, Many of you are already fans and followers of Tiffany. She has authored so many books, I can't even keep up with them. Um, Overcoming Bias being the first one that she has out. And there have been others that have followed, and we'll be talking about that a little bit. But most importantly, I really want to talk with her and have you listen in on what the Enneagram did in our relationship, how we have managed to grow together as mother and daughter and come together in such a beautiful way that has only been enhanced by our knowledge of the Enneagram. So let me see if I can ring her up and get her on the line. Tiffany? Hello, Mama. (laughs) Hello, my darling daughter. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on your show. I feel so special. Well, you are special. Remember, you know, I I have (laughs) the oldest boy and he's my favorite. And I have my youngest boy and he's my baby. And of course, you are your favorite daughter. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who have never tried that, it works every time. It just works beautifully. Oh, it's wonderful. (laughs) <laughs> no one can outshine my specialness in mommy's heart. I always is, knew I was the favorite girl. <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. So Tiffany, I haven't talked to you really since I got back from Egypt and I had an amazing Enneagram journey over there. And I came back all fired up to share uh, our journey with the Enneagram and talk a little bit about what it's done for our relationship. So, um, Just to start out, uh, when did you first notice your mom starting to really explore the Enneagram? 
Whew. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not that great at backwards and things with numbers. So pinpointing the year would be hard. I guess I can track my, uh, I can track my life and relationships. <laughs> so I'd have to say <laughs> that it was round about either relationships or children. So I can say probably round about um, before Saba was born. So Saba is 12 now. So it's been more than a decade, probably much longer than that, because you did a lot of work before before I became aware of it. So I'd say somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 years, maybe 18. I'm not sure. Yeah, that would be that would be about right because um, okay. I first started reading about the Enneagram back during the time when I was uh, on staff as a therapist at SUNY New Pulse, and then. Okay. After reading about it, that's when I discovered the Enneagram Institute, went up there and started taking all the, the classes and later became a practitioner myself. But mm-hmm. during the course of that journey, you know, one of, one of my regrets was that I didn't discover it um, when you were younger. And I think mm-hmm. that I would say the benefit for you and me has been that we came together during a point in time where it's so crucial for a mother and daughter to be able to really bond and connect. And uh, that would have been around the time that, you know, you were getting ready to go off on your own and have your own children. And, you Mm -hmm. know, by the time Saba came along, um, we had begun our Enneagram journey together. Yeah, practicing work, right. And I, and I would say, you know, the universe is just infinitely wise in its generosity because, you know, you, were, you re- read about it, then you started doing the personal work, then you integrated it into your work. And the space where it became so critical, I think, in our relationship was like, you, I've always defined you as my best friend. And, and I've taken a lot of flack for it from, you know, from peers over the years, from, you know, all the way from elementary school on through college. People were just like, your mother is your best friend? I'm like, Yeah. The, the, the only period in my life where, you know, I felt like we were a little bit estranged and that was entirely my doing um, was right at the moment when the Enneagram became a really important part of your life. And that was the moment that we needed it more than any other time. So I'm grateful for the point at which you became just really critically competent around the tool because it definitely, you know, brought us back together through what otherwise would have been a you know, one of those miserable mommy-daughter rites of passage that could have lasted a lot longer. That is so very, very true. You know, when I, when I think back to those years, I can remember um, as I was beginning to study the Enneagram and began to look at myself, and I picked up that mirror, uh, one of the really points of pain for me was looking at anything that I might have done that would have been harmful to you or your brothers or your dad. You know, you look at your yourself and then you look at the people around you and you begin to think, oops, um, I thought that was helpful. Maybe not so much. And uh, what was really amazing for me when I discovered your Enneagram type, and, you know, I didn't tell you what it was, but I, <laughs> I, I could see it. And I thought, Oh my, I have always known I have a, a beautiful free spirit here on my hands. But now I have something that helps me 
to understand how to best communicate with and love and nurture my beautiful free-spirited daughter and not judge her or, uh, you know, sort of hamper your growth and your development, but I let you fly. And it wasn't the easiest thing in the world to do, but understanding your substrate and your personality archetype, it was just a real blessing to be able to see where you were going and just be able to be on the path with you to guide you, or as I, as I put it, when I think of you as a personality type seven, um, I knew you were going to go on your roller coaster rides, but I would stand there and be prepared to be right there when you came off the roller coaster because riding the roller coaster for me wasn't the easiest thing to do. <laughs> Girl, it wasn't easy for me either. <laughs> but, but I did go, wee! Yeah, I was along about the way. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> I mean, sometimes I threw up on the roller coaster. Sometimes I got dizzy, but I enjoyed the ride. <laughs> you definitely looked like you were having an awful lot more fun than I ever would have had. Oh my gosh. Well, it's amazing because you, you know, that critical turning point for you where you decided to watch the roller coaster ride rather than try to beg the operator to stop the damn thing and, and yank me off of it. It was, I mean, it was a palpable shift in our relationship because I feel like, you know, when I was living in the house with you, you know, for the most part, I would explain to my friends, like, they'd be like, oh, hey, you want to come to this party? And I'd say, I need to ask my mom. And if, if mom said I couldn't do something or have something or go somewhere, for the most part, I just accepted it. Because what I knew about you always, and anyone who's ever met you knows, there's, there is just a palpable sense of, you know, do no harm that just oozes from you. And even as a child, I knew that. I knew that you never would intentionally cause me harm. And you lived into that. And my heart breaks for the humans and the children who've had parents who've caused them harm. You and my father never caused me harm. So when you said, no, sweetie, you can't go, if I asked you, you would give me an explanation. And I believed that you had my best interest at heart. Where it became challenging, because the way that I kept myself from losing it as a young person was I thought, well, one day, you know, when I'm around 18 or something, I'm going to have total freedom and I will be able to do whatever the heck I want. And I will wait for all of these yeses. You know, I will wait for these no's to turn into my own yeses when I have that freedom, which is exactly what I did. So when I was out on my own, I told myself yes to all the things. And, you know, what you as a one, initially, I, I felt, a, a, you know, a pretty substantial sense of, you know, like a I don't, I don't want to say judgment, but it was, I know that you're oriented towards doing the right thing. And I could tell when what I was doing didn't feel like the right thing to you. And it's, you know, it felt judgy to me, but it wasn't really a sense of judgment. It was just like, this is not the choice that I would make. And, you know, that was, that was, that was hurtful to me. I, I took that some kind of way um, and ultimately created distance because I was like, well, I'm going to make my choices. You had your opportunity to help me make choices. And I'm not going to make my choices just because you don't like them anymore. Like, I want to walk through my own fire. And my God, did I come back scalded and burned. <laughs> but when you made this shift, it was a whole different space. I could share with you my journey. And there was this embracing of my person and this trusting of my light and, you know, a willingness to 
you know, to observe my journey without any sense of, you know, like it was, yes, this, this might not be the choice that I would make, but, you know, help me understand, you know, what, what you're thinking and allow me to help you if I'm invited. You never, once you, once you became competent in the Enneagram, there was, I, I never felt like you imposed your will, you know, you didn't offer unsolicited advice, you respected my freedom. And the most important thing was you just saw me. And when you understood my motives, I felt like you didn't, I think before, maybe as a one, did you, did you feel like I was, you know, unnecessarily putting myself at risk? Uh, what was the fear for you? Because for me, it was, I'm living life. Whee! What did it feel like for a one to watch a seven go nuts over life? Well, it was uh, uh, terrifying. I can honestly tell you <laughs> okay. it was terrifying because, uh -huh. you know, you know that the human being who's in front of you, even though that human being is beginning to take on an adult form, you still know that that's your child. And as you now know, having three children, the last thing in the world that you ever want to do is let your child get hit by a truck that is True. coming down the road behind them and their back is turned and they can't see what's about to hit them. And at mm -hmm. the same time, you know that your child has to become an adult and have their own experiences. And yeah. you know how, how often I'll say to you, you know, that I may not always see things exactly the same way that you do as a parent because as a seven you have a free spirit and you're it's easier for you to watch your children have experiences as a one yeah. and being more controlling and being much more um you know trying to walk that line between what's right and what's wrong and learning how to not see everything just as right or wrong or good or, good or bad. Uh, being able to, to guide you was important to me, but guiding you and smothering you are two different things. And that's, what, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to share this with particularly other moms and dads out there because there is a point at which your children are becoming adults and there are some experiences that they need to have, not ones that are going to put them in harm's way, but sometimes we just have to trust that we have done everything that we know how to do to put our young little, what seem like children to us, but now becoming adults, going away to college, going off and having relationships that turn into long-term relationships or marriages, we have to let them have the experience that is going to be theirs. We cannot impose our experiences on you. Uh, so letting you have your own experience was so important to me um, because, you know, to be honest, I grew up in a different generation at a different time. And, um, you know, my parents were much more predisposed to try to completely control my experience. And oh, I, well, you know, you, you know, you look at my growing up and, and you knew your grandmother, you know, we could have lots of shows just talking about well, that's the, I mean, I look at I look at your experience and like growing up with, a, you know, a seven and, and some of the, you know, the seven has we all have our 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 levels of integration. And, 
if I did not have, if I had not had access to the Enneagram, like what, like I'm glad that it showed up in our lives when it did, because the piece that you said you were missing, you wish you'd had it when I was a child. I did have it while I was raising my children. Um, and it has been an invaluable tool in raising young people and being able to, you know, to guide them appropriately without smothering them because that's, you never smothered like before or nor after the Enneagram smothering was not your style. Um, but I can definitely feel how, how if I leaned into different parts of seven or maybe less integrated parts at times, how it would be really easy to want to control the children because as a seven, you know, the, the, this material world and the experiences of life feel like they're mine to own. And if I were not able to separate my children from myself, if I, if I didn't, if I, if I really experienced them as, um, you know, as largely as expressions and extensions of myself, that's where the control impulse would come from. But what I've been able to, you know, sort of exercise and, and realize is that, you know, they have every bit as right, as much a right to the freedom of their own experiences and their own, you know, opportunity to define themselves as I do. So I grow in my own experience and, you know, I am the only extension of me um, and I let them be who they are. And it's, you know, the Enneagram has been so incredibly valuable in the parenting space. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, as we well know, um, my mother, your grandmother didn't know the Enneagram. And nope. uh, as a, as a seven, I was very much um, an extension of her mm-hmm you know, her reality, her, the experiences that she wanted to have. And, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the seven one dynamic there. And mm-hmm. you know, I think that even as a young woman, I was kind of judging my own mother. And yeah. in some ways, I felt like I was mothering my mother. Um, you know, sure. I, I looked at, uh, I can remember Tiffany being um, maybe eight, 10 years old. And uh, my sense of um, order and how I wanted things to be. Uh, your grandmother would prepare the table for um, Christmas, and I would go back in behind her, and you know, I'd be be sort of course correcting or trying to beautify the the table a little bit more, and mm-hmm. almost like a, a little person with a little OCD. You know, I'd be lining yeah, up. The, yeah. <laughs> The knives and forks, and trying to make it. But what a be- what a beautiful and a- appropriate metaphor for what a one would do in that situation. That's a that's a physical, you know, that's a physical metaphor, a physical outlet. But I feel like knowing the stories that I know from your upbringing, you were straightening up around those edges in the life of the family as well. Very much so. Very very much so. And um, it was all I knew. You know, it was really, mm-hmm. it was really my role. That's where I fit. That's how I fit into the family. Um, I, you know, you, you don't know any differently. You only know what your own experience is, and that becomes your normal. Um, the, the sad thing is that because of the relationship that you and I now have and how we have managed to really understand each other deeply, I mean, intimately in a way that sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, mothers and daughters just don't get to. Um, I didn't get that with my mom. With your mother. I did not get to have that with her because Mm. by the time I had embraced the Enneagram, my mother had already passed. And, you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough, as you well know, to have, um, you know, a, a 
deep faith and you know my my sense of faith and spirituality is very strong so i know my mother is still with me and i know yes that, you know that we have a connection now that is stronger yeah. than than it was when she was here uh but i get to put my arms around you and say yeah. baby girl go do your thing and oh and what a know. crazy exercise though because knowing like grandma I can I can only imagine how much she actually would have loved this because she was brilliant yes. and she actually this is something that because she 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 was you know she valued the relationship very much although she navigated them clumsily sometimes this would have been so helpful to her I would say to your listeners like you know you know I would I would never put a an, a stop age on when people can be exposed to this because. I think at any age, grandma would have been um, so intrigued by this, especially as, you know, as, w coming through people that she loved, uh, that would have been an incredible journey. And I do see the, you know, I, that, <laughs> for, for all of your listeners, well, the cycle continues because I'm also raising a one daughter <laughs> who, I, who I felt, I mean, I was, I was like you, I was a young mom. So by the time she came along, I feel like, you know, I, I, I was raised with my, or my, my first set of children. I've got one of those big gaps. Um, but my oldest daughter was very much born into the world with a sense of maturity and moral rectitude um, and just order that, you know, and sensibility that I don't have. Um, and I, you know, I, I've joked for many years that, you know, she helped raise me and she certainly helped raise her older brother and her younger sister. But as a parent, you know, and a child of, of, of Deborah, of Dr. E, I know that young people and children are human beings in their own right who deserve dignity and deserve to be heard. And what I knew was that the wisdom that came from that little one far surpassed the wisdom of the vast majority of my, of my peers. So what I was able to learn from that young one from the time she was about three until this morning, she sent me an essay on something new that she discovered in her empath empathic experience in the world. Um, it's absolutely astounding. And I have caught myself in moments. Um, you know, she is absolutely living some of the, 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 the desires of my heart and some of the things that I would maybe have liked to have done. And I try to, I step back and I celebrate with her and I hold a sense of non-attachment to the outcomes of her life because I, I, I'm very much aware of the journey that you had. And that's a place where as a seven, I have to stop myself because it would be really easy. I, I'm so proud of all my children. And it would be so easy to attach to the, you know, whatever the thing is that they're good at or whatever I want them to do. And I just like, nope, this is their journey. I'm going to let them show me who they are, hold very loosely and lightly, you know, the, whatever the aspirations are and allow them to keep, you know, bouncing through life in their own way. But man, is it a journey. I absolutely love it. Well, it's a it's a beautiful thing, and the good thing for you is if she decides to get on a roller coaster, you might even be able to get on it with her. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that the truth? <laughs> In fact, no, I right. encourage you to do a little bit of that with her because yeah. you know, as a one, we can be a little bit uh, uh, constrained. And uh, I, one of the main things <sighs> that I I, I I look at my granddaughter and I want her to know joy. And, oh, um, she, that's what her essay was about. Herself. I won't say anything else, but yeah. that's, that's it. That's it. It's actually a book that you sent her. 
um, that she, she, you know, she does, she studies this really heavy material and it's really depressing. And she found a book that, you know, you guys have always connected through literature um, mm-hmm. and you've opened up a new place for joy for her. And she's watched me be an absolute clown her entire life. She knows my sense of freedom and joy and just, you know, love and light and, and, uh, and alacrity. And, you know, she giggles at me from afar but she knows that she can tap into that energy and she knows that it is, it's accessible to her um, and that no one on this side of the family is going to uh, make fun of her, you know, or look down at her if she chooses joy in any given moment, no matter what that looks like. And that makes me really happy that, you know, we can provide that balance for a one who takes life so seriously. So very seriously. And for my oh. listeners, I have to say, if you're listening to this, Look at how this has enhanced our family relationships. Oh, you know, yeah. I I understand even to the point where, you know, even if your parents have passed on and you have some things that you've never quite been able to resolve, you know, something that mm. didn't get said or some feelings that you have that are still unrequited in some way. Uh, when you understand yourself and you begin to look at your parents and you can see sort of their personality archetype and you understand the motivation of where they were coming from and put on top of that the times that they lived in and what maybe their journey was if empathy and compassion and love does not rise up in you i would just be amazed that that did not happen because there's really no way that it can't. Um, you know, there are situations where you have had oh, things that happened in the family that are really hard to forgive. But when you understand maybe sometimes the intention, if the intention was good and the action just didn't match the intention, you have an opportunity to just sort of reconcile some of the things that were a little bit off track. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, cases of uh, abuse or cruelty, abandonment. Those are some things that sometimes you have to do a different type of work to get to the bottom of that. But I do encourage you to do the work. And if you have a family that you feel like, you know, we're, we're reasonably healthy. We're, we're pretty normally dysfunctional um, as, as the family definition of normal dysfunction goes. It can be so much more powerful and positive and deep and rewarding uh, the way that you can connect to one another going beyond surface level, going beyond just that sort of horizontal relationship, but going really deep and vertical and understanding your parents, your children, and your loved ones. And I know that our family, um, we, we kind of chuckle when we get together because we know, uh, of course, we know your dad's type and we know your brother's, yours, mine. And we know mm-hmm. the, all the grandchildren, and we have all benefited from that in such an incredible way. Well, it's, it's funny because it's, there's not even, I, I mentioned the kind of upper limit, like I wouldn't, you know, and as long as you've got a, you know, a, a, a senior level member of your family who's still got their wits about them, it's a fun journey for them. And we know the more that you 
engage intellectually and philosophically, the sharper you can keep your mind. So this is a good, delicious something to bite off for even for an older person. But my 12-year-old is Enneagram (laughs) competent. My 12-year-old can see the Enneagram types playing out in her friends and she's able to relate to, you know, the family and she's intrigued by it. And it's actually helping her through the crazy, crazy quagmire that is, um, that is middle school. Like she's understanding the motivations of her peers. Now she, I believe is a six with very, with a, with a strong seven wing and and seven envy. (laughs) She desperately wants to be a seven. (laughs) Um, And, and it's the, Oh my gosh. Like I have never seen, the such a high concentration of worst case scenario planning. <laughs> like oh my she heavens. is my my little critical thinker who's and I love it because she's she I'm I run headlong into the you know the scary dangerous risk places and man will that one tell me how everything's gonna possibly go wrong and what <laughs> what kind of safety packaging we need to bring on this particular trip. And then she'll pick up the phone and call her grandmother. <laughs> And say, Nana, <laughs> save me. I've never seen a, a child with, you know, those little kits that you get that are like, the, you know, here's your, emer- not, not, we used to have like emergency sewing kits. There's like, here's an emergency so you don't ever lose power in your devices, kid. And here's your the first aid kit. Like, my child has mountains of these kits and is utterly obsessed with the preparedness for all scenarios. I absolutely love it. Well, you know, it's interesting <laughs> watching the children evolve because it almost seems like they go through several types uh, before yes, you can, it you know, it, it, it's, it's not quite so clear early Six. on. Cause no, I, can, no. I can remember when we, we were thinking maybe she might be a four. Um, yep. We were yep. looking at, you know, watching her evolution and watching, uh, of course, the, the older two as well. But mm-hmm. with, with children, you know, you, you, you have to kind of Malleable. sit back and yes, yep. watch them and watch them and don't mm-hmm. rush to judgment because, um, mm-hmm. you know, it will begin to emerge. And oh, man. I do say with the, with the children, much like with the adults, it's important to let them have their own journey. Their journey, sure. Yep. It's so important. Yep. I, have, I have so many of my friends that are still so frustrated with me. Just tell me what my type is. No, I'm no, not going to tell no, you what your type is no. because it's your journey. So, oh my uh, gosh. You know, listeners, no matter who your friends are and if they know the Enneagram, that's great. And if they know their type, that's great. But please don't let anyone else tell you what your type is. Find uh, it for yourself amen. because the journey is delicious. It really is. Mm-hmm. It has ups yeah, and downs. I, whole, I think I'm in eight crisis for a minute there. Yeah. <laughs> it was an interesting, and I mean, I, I, I recognize that ultimately there were, you know, there was some integration that needed to happen. Right. Um, exactly. And there was some really, really hard work that I was avoiding at that right. particular stage. And, you know, while I you know, went through some uh, miserable rites of passage for a minute there, you know, again, the Enneagram brings is guidance around, um, you know, what, which, which areas to focus on and what might be um, spaces where, where you could use some support. So I really, really do appreciate it so much as a self-awareness and self-improvement tool. Well, when you think about uh, the type seven and of course you also grew up with a tight 
eight nearby. And so mm-hmm. not only did you have, you know, the eight wing, but you also had an eight influence. And mm-hmm. uh, you look at people that are in your environment, we're now looking a little bit more at sometimes the parental overlay that may be there. Yeah. You know, what you pick up from your brothers and your sisters and people who are, you know, close in the family relationships. Um, So, you know, I can remember when I looked at you, there was no doubt in my mind that you were a seven. But there were times when aspects of eight were very strong and I could see those as well. And I thought, okay, is this seven with an eight wing or is this eight with a seven Mm -hmm. wing? Uh, but that mm-hmm. was in the, the earlier stages of watching you develop and, you know, really grow into your type. So, mm. but, you know, uh, seven envy is a thing. I, uh, oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that, that you and I can meet on that seven line because yes. <laughs> I, I spend a lot of time looking forward to the, the, the rides that I have with you now. And what, uh, what did I text you earlier? Hey mom, spring break, let's go to Hawaii. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Spring break. Let's go to Hawaii. With, with a couple sure. weeks notice. Come on. <laughs> yes. Wait, wait. And it just so happens that spring break is Easter week and everybody in the entire world is traveling. So it'd be no cares. Yay, yeah, fun. yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's just play. More friends. Cake. That means there's more friends to meet on the journey. Duh. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> Tiffany, would you like to share with the listeners some of the aspects of seven? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's what's not to love about the, the seven? It's just leaning into all of the joy and the fun and the possibility. It's just so very aspirational. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm seeking the joy and the pleasure and I'm seeking the adventure. And yeah, you know, I'm aware that there's risk out there. <laughs> I'm aware that things could go wrong, but why pay any attention to that at all? Like zero. So in my companies, right, I have people who are in charge of keeping an eye on the risky things because I don't want to look at them. I like don't even want to look at them at all a little bit, but you know, fiduciary responsibility, et cetera, et cetera. I have to pay attention. Um, but I know what I need to know. And then I move on and focus on the fun stuff. Cause yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> and I don't even feel bad about it. I don't, yeah, I love I, life. I, I, I love chasing the adventure. I love making all the friends and I have no qualms about owning that. None. Uh, what do you have qualms about owning? About owning? Yes. Hmm. I, I, I feel like maybe once upon a time I was not so keen on owning my responsibility and culpability in the, de- in the demise of my former relationships. Right. Um, but now I'm good. Now I'm like, no, 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 no. Co- co-origination, as the Buddhists say, right? Um, I understand that there's lots of things that lead to um, any, any particular event in our life. And so while, you know, terrible things may have happened in the context of a couple of my relationships, I was a, I, I, I not only drew whatever that was into my world in some way, um, but I certainly contributed to, to those environments and some of the outcomes. So, um, I think that that was the hardest thing for me because, Ooh, there was a time when I'm like, now it's all your fault. (laughs) Right. Right. I did did everything right. You messed it up. No, 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 no. I played a part in in all, all aspects of my life. I've played a part. And the same thing, like I would say, just like I am a domestic violence survivor and no, that was not my fault and no one ever deserves any of that. Um, 
but it was, you know, getting to a place where I could take a sense of ownership um, for my own life that allowed me and the life of my children at that time, I had to um, really, I did have to extend into my children being extensions of me for all of our safety. Um, and that gave me the power and the impetus and the courage to get out of a very harmful situation. Um, but I, even with that, I looked back and looked at, you know, how did I allow that into my life? That's, I did, was not deserving and no one is deserving of any kind of abuse. Um, and please, 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 if you or anyone you know is suffering from any kind of domestic violence, there is a national domestic violence hotline number that you can call. Um, you've got, you've got to do that. Don't let people suffer without, um, saying anything about it. But what I do know is that, you know, in those early days, the signs were there and, you know, there was there, I have culpability in not loving myself enough and not valuing myself enough at that time to have invited that kind of energy into my world. So, um, long, long way from there and really grateful for the role the Enneagram has played in, um, in helping me grow and see myself and experience the world in a much more aspirational way. Absolutely. The, the beautiful thing is that, you know, when you look back and you recognize how much difference it makes when you are healthy within your, your type structure as opposed mm. to not so healthy, you know, and um, in those earlier years when you were really struggling, you know, it, it's a, uh, it's, it's no secret that there are times when all of us, you know, we, we kind of bottom out and you were able to really, and as I say, pull yourself up to the high side of your type and do what you needed to do and get the strength to look at the unpleasant things that were going on around you and to face them mm -hmm. and do what you needed to do. Uh, sometimes for sevens, that's hard to do. It's hard to really yeah. face the painful circumstances. Oh, man. Hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to stay in a space where you're grounded enough to be able to take good action and do what you need to do. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, Needless to say, I'm so proud of your strength and your, your resilience and the way that in some of the more difficult circumstances of your life, you have learned how to stand in that space where there was, in fact, pain and unpleasant circumstances mm -hmm. to sort through it and to go through it rather than just run from it. Um, yeah. When well, I have to say, like, that's one of the places and for, you know, our listeners don't know where that fell in the timeline. And that's mm -hmm. one of the places where I have to say, when I say that when I mentioned earlier that the separation or that the rite of passage that we went through, it was short um, and it was largely instigated by me. I chose to create space in my relationship with my, with my mother for a multitude of reasons. I mean, there were places where I was judging my own behavior, but I didn't want to be accountable for it. So I knew that if I was going to interact with her, you know, this, this, you know, emblem of this pillar of righteousness was going to call me out and didn't want to be called out. Uh, but what that led to was that led to a really toxic relationship in which I didn't really access the wisdom of my best friend. And I was suffering domestic abuse and not telling my mother. Uh, my family didn't know what I was going through. So, you know, that, that, you know, using the leveraging the power of the Enneagram in service of creating open, beautiful, loving, communicative relationships without judgment is really powerful. And I want to, you can pause and go get a pen if you want, but I want to give you the domestic violence hotline number. 
um, again, whether it's you or someone that you know, it's really important that we help folks. And this can be for victims, survivors, um, either way. It's 1-800 in the United States, 1-800-799-7233. Again, 1-800-799-7233, domestic violence hotline 24-7. Um, get somebody the help that they need. I'm a person who uh, honors and respects the energy of the universe, and somebody who's listening to this needs that number, and that's all I'll say. Absolutely, and one of the things that we can add to that is that in the rebuilding of yourself, particularly if you've gone through domestic violence or any type of circumstance in your life where you're not feeling like you have any self-worth, um, you know, knowledge of the Enneagram helps you to see who you are, who you were created to be, and helps you to find your way back. Because if you can understand really what that core wound might be for you, what is that thing, that hole in your heart that you're trying to fill, if you can learn a little bit about that and you can combine that with the faith that you may already have, this may just help you to get through a very dark and lonely time. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, and, and um, moms out there, if you're watching your daughters go through some difficulties, uh, please be sure to, you know, just drop me a line. Go to my website and just go right there in the Voice America and look up all the information and just send me a note if I can give you any advice for any help or any wisdom that I can share with you that will help you to form a stronger bond with your child uh, that might be able to help them out of a a critical crisis that they're going through. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when your children need you the most, it is most (laughs) to reach and Tiffany and I know because we lived through that however um, what Tiffany always knew is that her mom loved her and that there was no way that um, no matter what the circumstances happened to be that um, I would not be there for her you know Tiffany something you said to me once that I will never forget and I've shared this with people privately but I want to share it publicly I remember after my mother died, you looked at me one day, it was several years after, and you said, you know, Mom, I just don't know what I would do if I didn't have you. And I said, honey, what do you mean? And you said, you know, whenever I'm in a a dark place, it's like I always know that your hand is there and all I have to do is reach out and you've got me, and you don't have that anymore. And, you know, I stopped, and I thought about that, and, you know, I got a little teary, as I'm doing right now. You're making me cry, Mom, stop. (laughs) You know I'm good at that, but that wasn't the intention. But the reality of that is that I do have that hand. You know, I may not be able to see it, but for me, yeah. it's still there. That's and the, the importance of this, though, is, you know, for mothers and daughters, it's so important for us to have those hands that either reach uh, out. I would say it's important mom. for all parents and children. 
Absolutely. For all parents and children, because there's too many boys and trans kids who don't feel like they can because it's not, you know, it's not gender appropriate. And we're not we're not teaching all of our kids to be warm in the same way. But man, it's never too late to extend the non-judgmental accepting hand of love to your child. And we can feel it. Like I, I had the distinct benefit of growing up in a household where no matter how weird and exuberant I was about life, demonstratively, (laughs) you know, just buoyant, um, I was always accepted for who I was. I was seen, I was loved, I was accepted. Yeah, they called me out when I was, you know, weird and extra, but not in a way that made me feel bad about who I was. It was just like, yeah, you're a quirky dirk. Um, You're not like all the others and we love you. (laughs) And that was amazing, but it's never too late. Even if you, you know, we, we, I think as parents, the vast majority of us are doing the best we can. And sometimes in our righteous judgment, or our attempts to course correct or spare our children from harm, we're overly critical and we make our children feel like we don't love them or that we don't accept them or we don't see them. So whether your child is 2, 12, 29, or 47, like do that work and find yourself, open your heart to a place where you can allow yourself to just feel the divine presence of your offspring and let them know that you love them and you see them and you accept them for who you are. And if there's any aspect of your child that you just can't accept, then you've got some serious work to do because we need to, you know, live and let live is real. We need to allow our children to be who they are. They don't get to be extensions of us. And they're not a reflection of you and your parenting and anything else. They, once they are, especially once they're adults, they are their own people, but let them know how much you love them because we all know that life takes its turns And if they don't feel like they can reach out to you, if they feel like they're going to be judged and not listened to and seen and understood, then they're going to turn to people who don't, yeah, you're going to lose them. And they're going to turn to people who don't mean them as much good as you do. So even if you don't agree with everything, you've got to be there for them. It's really fascinating because I can remember you at 13, 14, (laughs) sharing with me that um, just the whole idea of, how you analyzed that in middle school, your friends, mm-hmm. air quotes, mm-hmm. were giving mm-hmm. you such a hard time about some things. And you actually came home and you said, you know, mom, I've kind of figured this out. And I don't always want them to do what you say, but I kind of realized that you're probably the only person that doesn't really have any reason to tell me anything that's wrong. And that's right. At that age, you know, for you to have figured that out was pretty amazing. But that's one of the things that parents can really share with their children is mm-hmm. just just kind of break it down. You know, have yeah. that conversation and say, why would I want to do anything that's gonna cause you harm? Hurt you. Sometimes yeah, exactly. it's just it's just a matter of communicating in that way just break now, if you've undermined your own words. credibility if you've undermined your own credibility by causing them harm thus far then then it's an, it's an argument that you can't use as easily but if you're able to acknowledge your the harm that you've caused if you're able to say i understand that we have been through some things and that i made bad choices but i'm here to tell you now that i am learning and i'm growing and i'm trying to do the best by you that i can because None of us is perfect. And sometimes we screw up and we sometimes hurt our kids in that process. 
Um, but pretending that you have not done that um, is not the way to go. You acknowledge that and you move on to a new and loving place and then you back it up. Like you make sure that your actions align with your words and you back it up and you, you give them advice and you move through with them in ways that are supportive and loving um, and healthy. And the important really point in all of that is that if you do have some things as a parent that you may need to own, or if you as mm. a child mm. who is now an adult mm. have some things that you need to own, the Enneagram will actually help you with that work. Because yes. it is picking up a mirror. And it's interesting, you know, if you pick up a mirror and you look at yourself from the front side, you may look okay. But if you're not able to kind of pick up another one and check out what's going on in the back and on the sides, Woo-wee. you could be you a hot mess. You could have all kinds of matted <laughs> rat mess up on your head. <laughs> Have one of them lumpy heads from having the forceps take you out. You never know what's on the other side of that head. Y'all need to be looking. <laughs> well, you, you know, I should, have, I should have warned you listeners that today was going to be an absolutely outrageous, fun, lovely, amazing laugh fest. Because that's what it's like my daughter and I get together. I tell you, it's just... There's a lot of loving and a lot of learning and a lot of laughing. Oh, yay. So much love. So much love. Well, um, we are getting pretty close to having to sign off here. Um, Tiffany. miserable. That's not fun. I know. I know. We could go on for hours. You know you're going to have to come back for another episode. Um, Okay. Twist my arm. One thing I do want you to do before you sign off is just uh, share with our listeners what things you know that you kind of have to look out for as a seven in order to stay on the higher side of your personality. Mm, What's the work that you have to do now? Yeah. So I've found it's hard. Like even it's like the, 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 the 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 like the joy the giggles the giddiness just fell out from underneath me um, when you talked about the work that I have to do because even acknowledging that part that's not the fun stuff um, and, and but, you know what's so beautiful is that you're what? calling that out right now and yeah. if you're listening yeah. you can hear the drop in the tone and the I, yeah no I, mean, I just yeah I mean it just got real serious and I've got I, I'm I'm learning to be more embodied right? More self-embodied. So I listen to, I, I feel into my body, I feel into my present moment. And I'm, I'm aware that the minute you talked about the work that I have to do and what I have to look out for as a seven and how to stay on the high side, like I've got tingles all over my body, everything. I got a little bit of a, little bit of an adrenaline, adrenaline rush, a little bit of a fight or flight happened um, because that's the scary stuff. Like honestly, that, the, 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 the work, um, the work of it all, the introspective part of it all, as much as it intellectually and philosophically fascinates me, right? I'm a, I'm a, 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 a Gemini by the astrological charts. I love the, you know, the air sign banter and the learning. That's all great. I want to learn. I even want to grow. But the visceral part of examining myself, how I show up, how I affect other people and how I, you know, come across to other people is really hard because as a seven, I, it would be the easiest thing in the world for me to 
traipse along through life without any thought or consideration, honestly, about anybody else, right? Like if I, I could go off into la la land and, you know, pay very little attention to my children, pay very little attention to the things I've identified as responsibilities, pay very little attention to relationships, for, for frankly, right? I could go off into this singular, singularly selfish place that is loaded with nothing but fun. And so for me, the work is to slow down, right? Because I also will move at the speed of light, um, to slow down. Like I have built a, a wonderful career um, thank you, Enneagram, right? Because right around the time you were learning about the Enneagram, I followed your footsteps, started a company, and the deepest I ever went in anything was my company. I've dedicated 16 years of my life to focusing on this one thing, and amazing things have come of it. Um, so staying focused, you know, identifying goals and sticking with them even when they're not fun, even when they get hard, um, and then slowing down every day to, you know, to just integrate, you know, the events of the day to allow myself to just quiet down and be present and be, be not in the future, because I could also live in the future forever. It's definitely a happy place. Um, but to, you know, to review the, 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 the events of the day, the events of the week, and to just be fully present. Um, and then the really hard stuff is, you know, has been coming more and more lately. Like I've mentioned to you all, you guys are now all my BFFs. Totally hit me up on social needs, Okay. Um, because I've told you, I've had, I've had numerous failed relationships. I'm a glutton for punishment. I kept going back for more. But in all of that, you know, I've had to do like the integrating shadow work. I have to look at what is it that's caused me to repeat certain patterns, certain unhealthy patterns. Why have I put myself in situations that have, you know, that, that have served me in the long run, but have been excruciatingly painful ordeals. Um, and having to look at the role that I've played in my own self-destruction that is not seven work that I want to do. <laughs> it is dark and painful and it hurts my feelings, all of my feelings. But it's so, so worth it when I, you know, I can wake up now and I can see aspects of myself that, you know, in, in previous iterations of my life, I would have turned a blind eye to, wanted to see, utterly and outright denied. And now I can say, no, this is who I am. And I love myself fully and completely for who I am, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm willing to work on the parts that I think aren't as, you know, aren't the shiny parts that I want to necessarily put on display. I love them. I accept them. And I'm willing to do the work to, to be a better version of myself tomorrow. Well, baby girl, you couldn't be any better version of yourself. No, oh, you're biased. Just You're so biased, but I love you. Just a little bit. I love you so much. And <laughs> I love you I, too, Mama. <laughs> I'm so glad you were on the show today because I'm sure that we reached some listeners that, I don't know, that just needed to hear what you and I had to say. So um, I'm, I'm hoping you're coming back. I know you travel at the speed of light. And I'm on the West Coast, and you're on the East Coast, but we'll meet somewhere. Oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Girlfriend, I'm bi-coastal now. I'm officially co-located on the West Coast. We have to claim that. Now I just need to find the Let's space. Claim Let's claim Let's it. Claim Let's claim it. it. Let's claim it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, uh, I love you so much. And uh, listeners, just be sure to tune in next week. We'll be continuing our journey with the Enneagram and exploring more types. And be sure to drop me a line. Let me know what you want to hear, what you need to know, and uh, stay connected with us. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.
you for listening to Exploring the Enneagram with Dr. E. Please join Dr. Deborah Egerton again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a good week.